Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Arthur Companies podcast. My name is Patrick Erickson. I'm your host here today. And with me is Chris Dickey. Chris is a sales agronomist for us out of our Animus location. Chris, how are you doing? Very good. Happy, happy to be here on uh, one of the initial Arthur Companies podcasts. That's good. We're, we're happy to have you. And just in case anyone wants to wants to know, Chris just told me that his that he was more nervous today for this podcast than he was on his wedding day. So that's that's a true story. <laughs> well, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna learn a little bit about herbicides today. But before we do that, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm originally from the Detroit Lakes, Minnesota area. I asked a lot how I ended up in central North Dakota. Um, I've lived in North Dakota almost as long as I lived in Minnesota, and I'm a proud North Dakotan. As part of that, I'm a proud graduate of NDSU in the Crop and Weed Science uh, program. Good to hear. Um, kind of took that path a little late in life. Went back uh, after spending 10 years in the equipment industry and uh, finished my crop and weed science degree at the uh, age of 20, 32, excuse me. And uh, I was, uh, I mean, I'm extremely excited to, to be a part of the Arthur Company's uh, family. I mean, it's happy we're, to be here. We're, when we're happy to have you. So Chris, Chris is, uh, just in case you uh, get a chance to visit with him, not only knowledgeable here as we'll, we'll talk through a few uh different weed problems in, in the Animus area and throughout much of North Dakota, quite honestly. But he's also here to answer your questions on diesel mechanics, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, Ed, <clears throat> excuse me, as uh, growers uh, learn learn a little bit about my history, yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, I get routinely asked, uh, hey, can you help me diagnose this? <laughs> not, not just in my field, but uh, in my shed as well. That's all right. That's good. <laughs> That's good. And and your family, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. Um, well, my, my wife, Amanda, and I will be celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary in uh, about two months here. And uh, we've got two awesome little boys, uh, Hunter and Wyatt. And they're uh, enjoying their first full year of school in Harvey Public Schools. So. Excellent. Good deal. Good deal. And if anyone, if anyone uh, wants to know something about a once-in-a-lifetime elk hunt... <laughs> Call Chris. Call Chris. I've got a I've got a little bit of a story there. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know how many years it was as a North Dakota resident before you drove the tag, but you got uh, you put your time in. So about, about twelve or thirteen, and uh, I've caught some flack for that one. Yeah. Growers as well. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Many have been born and bred and still not hunted an elk on North Dakota soil. <laughs> so good deal. Well, it's good to have you. We're gonna. We're not going to talk only elk hunting and Chris Dickey, but we are also going to talk about herbicides a little bit. And maybe before we get into that, tell tell everyone listening about the kind of the crops that typically you're you're looking at and uh, and the weeds that are typically a problem in your market. So in the Animus geography, um, we're we're covering uh, the big three: soybeans, corn, and, and wheat. Um, but we've also got a uh, a fair mix of uh canola um there's some actually more durham than i expected to find out that we had in the area sure. um and a f- decent number of edible beans as well okay um so it's a it's a pretty diverse i shouldn't say pretty it's a very diverse it is a very diverse mix. market yes it is 
um, which is fun. I mean, it's uh, it definitely allows you to to uh, have extraordinary challenges yeah. as an agronomist in, in coming up with some of the some of the issues that we face. And two of the big ones are mare's tail and kosher. Okay. So it's uh, thankfully we haven't seen the uh, the ugly Palmer amaranth or uh, water hemp rear its ugly head, but uh, it's only a matter of time. It, and unfortunately, it is uh, tillage practices. Touch on that just briefly. What are most of your guys doing? So I would say. Over ninety percent of our acres are are a true no till acre. Yeah. Um. There's the the other remaining say eight to ten percent is going to be a, a very minimum till. Um. We've we've got a lot of potholes. Yeah. So that probably uh, factors into the the minimum till, uh, especially this year coming out of a wet year where we're working uh, working up sloughs and and potholes that. You know, maybe haven't been farmed in several years, but they're going to be able to run run end to end, which is a uh, a unique spring for our growers. It's a very unique spring, and it's it's a very especially compared to last year because, it, and I believe as we sit here today, it is April. What is it, the eighth? And this is about day one of our spreaders being in the field. And last year at this time, or sorry, last year day one of spreading was May twelfth. <laughs> we got stuck twenty times in the first round, so. I've it's, never seen equipment stuck like that. No, so it's definitely been different. It's going to be nice to farm almost fence row to fence row. There's no question about that. It's going to bring some challenges when it comes to weed control because our, our soil conditions are dry. So, um, mare's tail and kochia, what are you primarily using on those on those weeds as a pre-emergent? Um, well, in uh, in the soybean acre. Um, Anything with sulfantrazone uh, is definitely a target for the kochia. Um, we we get a excellent pre-emergent control um, depending on the product and the rate you're using. Anywhere from two to four weeks um, that we're going to hold that kochia back from from competing with our soybeans. Yes. Um, and I had a I'd seen the the data point before, um, but I I had it shared with me again earlier this week that. Uh, there's studies that show for every inch of weed growth, it costs us two two bushels of soybeans. Sure. And when you're talking kochia in a no-till system, you can have a carpet. Yeah. And if that carpet's reaching one inch, two inch, three inches, I mean, you're losing two, four, potentially six bushels of soybeans by not keeping those weeds down. Yeah. it it It's huge. And soybeans are such a poor... They're such a weak competitor early, right. uh, especially in no-till com- conditions. Right. Soils are colder. Um, it, it just, it's a long time before row closure, even, even with it, seven and a half inch rows. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. It, it definitely, it, it creates some challenges. Um, you know, on, on the mare's tail side, uh, it's doesn't seem to be as, as big of an issue, I guess. Um, in the soybean acre, but it certainly can be in the wheat acre. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it, to a, to a certain extent. Um, obviously it's a concern no matter what, what right. acre we've got mare's tail growing in. Um, but a lot of times we get that it's a, it's a winter annual. 
sometimes can be in a summer annual. So, I mean, there is there is pre-emergent control or op, opportunity to control pre-emergent. Yeah. Um, but if if we miss that, um, that pot, that's another uh, weed species that is its seed. Uh, its proliferation is is yeah. incredible. Yeah, you miss one plant, and you've got hundreds of thousands potentially the next year. Right, yeah. and and <laughs> with its uh, with its its seed being uh, very much like like that of a dandelion. Um, you know, when you hit the head of a dandelion and, and it explodes, the, right. the seeds are going everywhere. Uh, Mary's tail is very much the same way. Um, those seeds can travel for miles. Yeah. And, and both of, both of these weeds, when, when we miss them, uh, before the crop has been established, when we miss them, we, uh, pre-emergent, our post-emergent options get a little bit worse. Right. Um, and on soybeans, on soybeans, dicamba soybeans, extend soybeans have largely fixed the mare's tail problem and kosher that, and, and kosher. It's a very, very tr- true statement. True statement. Um, there seem there are there seem to be more options for us on kosher to some extent post emergent. Right. In my opinion, on soybeans than what mare's tail is. But this year um, and every year, getting that dicamba application on timely is is going to be tough. Right. So pre emergent, uh, pre emergent at least suppression. Is very important, right? Yes, and you know, <laughs> leading leading into into this year's um, crop season and uh, and suppression with the pre-emergent, I think is something that we're going to hear a lot about. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, the lack of moisture is definitely going to limit the amount of activity that we're going to be able to pull out of, out of our pre-emergent, uh, herbicides. Um, and when you go from in a, in a, in a normal year, um, with a, with a good pre-emergent, something like a, uh, a Spartan, any of the Spartan products, uh, mm-hmm. Broadax, which has Spartan in it, um, in normal under normal rainfall conditions, um, they take three tenths up to a half inch of of moisture to activate them. Okay. Um, right now, it's right. it's tough to it, we're not seeing seeing that potential, and we're we're a long ways out from soybean seeding, right? Um, which means we're a long ways out from from uh, pre emergent applications. So, I I guess I'm. I'm telling all of my growers that uh, you're going to have to try harder to to break my positive attitude. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's, there there is a lot of of nerves out there as far as is what we're seeing for moisture, but um, yeah, and it's going to rain. Yeah, and it's 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 understandable. We've been in in a dry pattern, uh, but I, I know we've got Scott McKinman's got a picture on his phone that we really need to to distribute from. I think it was 2000 and. 17 i'm gonna say but it might have been 2018 and and it was an authority brand product so for those listening sulfentrazone is the active ingredient that we're talking a lot about today uh it's in spartan it's in authority products it's in it's in broadax xc it's in a number of products on the market and and this particular field uh, we had sprayed with our custom application rig and we hadn't gotten any rain for three weeks after application and yet to align in those bad kosher areas you could see where we had sprayed authority and where we hadn't. 
So uh, suppression, yeah, suppression might in a dry in dry conditions might mean seventy percent control, might mean sixty five percent control, and it might really make you mad. I get it; you've spent the money. It might really make you mad, but uh, under under certain conditions, you get the right rain, and before you know it, you're really happy. You got sixty five. So, yeah, right. You know that. One of the one of the things about the self entry zone containing products too is is uh, you look back at the old the old products like the yellows the the Trefland and, and Sonoland and they were f- photo degraded uh, sure meaning the longer they sat on the soil exposed to the sunlight the faster they degraded yep um, where a product like self entry zone is is there's a, a level of microbe activity um, but it's it's primary degradation is is exposure to water you know um as that as that gets pushed through the soil profile it basically gets diluted out to a point where it's just not it's there's not enough product there to kill kill weeds right um however in a situation where we're lacking rain and we get some of those weeds germinating and coming through that soil profile it's not like that chemical's not there um, you've got that that product as a blanket on the on the surface, and even just a small amount of moisture, it can just be a, a dewy morning enough to to get that chemical really to adhere to the to the soil as that weed comes through it. Um, you're not going to get them all, but you're gonna you're gonna get some. Right. And at the end of the day, the fewer weeds we have in our fields, um, the happier we're going to be. And it's in dry conditions. It's it's not going to, it's not going to be that that ninety plus percent no. control that we're looking for. No. Um, but that being said, again, self entry zone is going to be there. Yeah. The longer we go without rain, there are there are definitely some risks. Um, if we, as those soybeans grow, um, and we get a a significant moisture event. And we haven't had one yet. Um, what we can we can see uh, is is a little bit of reach back. Sure. Um, and soybeans are are very tolerant of of self entry zone, uh, pretty much across the board. And obviously, sure. Make sure and ask your agronomist. You know, <laughs> is this, are my varieties going to work with this chemistry? Right. Because uh, obviously, if if you don't know the genetic backing, you don't know the history and, and that variety's uh, ability to tolerate self-entry zone, that's not going to be a, not going to be a good deal. However, um, if we, we can see some reach back, if we get that, that later moisture, um, which can lead to, to some damage uh, with the soybean plant. Sure. In extreme case, I mean, extremely extreme cases, you may see, see some, plant death in, in say an overlaps sure overlap area of the field wouldn't you say that's more common in a in a dry bean crop than it is a soybean crop i would say so yeah um sunflowers as well sunflowers, sunflowers are another well. one yep. uh, in fact i saw it last year you it, did it, okay yeah it, it was a combination of of overlap in a field a long period of of no rain you know the flowers got fairly right. large and then they got doubled up in the exact same pattern with their post-emergent herbicide sure and we saw total plant death. Okay. Um, 
there again, that's ex- that's very extreme. I wouldn't expect to see that in, in soybeans, but I also wouldn't count it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, that'd be a good thing because we'd be uh, we'd be dancing in rain, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> our 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 wheat crop that's currently being put in the ground would uh, would definitely be exciting. Absolutely, about that. yeah, that would be a lot of fun, and and and, and I think we can uh, we we can count on we can count that rain will come, right? Yes. Yeah. Come yeah. to the Arthur Company's podcast <laughs> to find to find it. <laughs> I, we. We might be setting ourselves up for trouble saying that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, at least you'll find a positive attitude looking forward. Yeah, to the that's rain right. That is coming. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone knows, like any good agronomist in the state of North Dakota, both Chris and I have our North Dakota State Weed Guides open. <laughs> so we reserve the right to uh, to be wrong, but at, at the same time, um, come on in if you have any questions about about anything in your fields, and talk to one of our agronomists if if today's podcast. Uh, you know, maybe tweaked your interest at least a little. One one of the things that locally here, um, in in Animus, uh, and really, it's it's I know it's more than <laughs> more than Animus that Corteva sent out an a, an an email or a letter here about two weeks ago, warning growers about clopyrid clopyrid. Sorry, that would be the active ingredient in Stinger carryover in uh, from spraying it on last year's wheat and potentially it showing up in this year's uh, soybean crops. There's more than just soybeans that are susceptible to it, but that would be the primary concern. What can you tell us about that particular particular uh, communication from Corteva uh, as, of, as of today? So it, it's definitely going to be a concern. Um, and and the, there's a, a broad range of products. Um, as you mentioned, Stinger, perfect match also has stinger uh wide match also has a stinger component and when they're used at a full rate um we're at a four ounce rate of stinger and stinger is going to carry over on those on the lighter soils the the hilltops um in fact the i'm cheating a little bit because i've got the letter in that's all right (laughs) lower lower Uh, organic matter right correct yep and uh and you know to fully break down a, uh, a damaging level of clopyrrolid or stinger in the in the soil. Um, we need anywhere from five and a half to seven inches of rain. Um, obviously, towards the the lower end of that spectrum, there's still going to be some potential for carryover, and uh, and we saw it. You know, a good example is is last year. Um, the previous fall, there was a monster snowstorm that yeah. I'm, I'm I remember that thank, I'm thankful that I wasn't quite here yet. <laughs> it was bad enough where I was, but it, it, it wasn't that, that terrible. That's um, good. and that, that whole fall of 2019, there was, there was a high, it, it was a lot of rain, yeah. a, a very, very high moisture environment. Right. Um, so even after, even after all of that moisture, the moisture events that we had, last spring prior to soybean planting, I still found fields last summer that had plants that had very clearly been affected by stinger carryover. Sure. And, uh, and I mean, it, there's, there's not much like stinger carryover. The, the heart shaped leaves give it away. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and I, it's, it's definitely going to be a very, very valid concern. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 
so pay some attention. Um, the one thing I'll say about that is there's no question that there are some unique situations when it comes to organic matter. In that situation, uh, there was there there clearly was some organic matter and pH conditions of the soil that caused it to show up in right. that particular spot. So uh, rest assured, if you're out there and you put wide match on last year's wheat crop, um, that you know, 19 years out of 20, perhaps I've never seen a basic manufacturer send out a letter saying watch out if you sprayed your product last year 19 years out of 20 uh the the product does what it says it's going to do into grades in time um but yeah this year there's no question there's a little bit of a concern so if chris what would you say to a farmer who knows he sprayed and i'll list a few but please understand you know call us for specifics perfect match wide match stinger uh, resicore on corn if they've sprayed these kind of things on last year's crop and they want to put a susceptible crop into that soil, which soybeans is the primary one of concern right now, what should they do? Um, first and foremost, uh, a soil, if you don't know your, your uh, organic matter level offhand. Right. Um, Find it, out. It's not a bad idea to have that, that, yeah. that soil, soil sampled. Right. Um, that's, that's a, a standard reading we get back on every soil sample. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not going to tell us what the level of stinger carryover is going to be on that piece of soil, but um, it, it's at least a starting point. Yeah. Um, if that sample comes back at 1.4% organic matter, uh, find a different crop. It's a problem. Yes. That's right. Don't, yeah. don't put soybeans or sunflowers in there. Yeah. Um, if you're... If you're at all uncomfortable with the situation, the 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 potential uh, the potential for injury on your soybeans, see if you can rearrange some of your acres. Yeah. Um, put something, you know, go in go in with a corn or wheat um, or uh, canola. I mean, sure. for obviously for our growers, the canola, right? Something that's that isn't going to be damaged by the availability of that stinger in the soil. Yeah, yeah. Good deal. Well, I know we haven't exhausted every topic today, <laughs> but I think we've covered some bases and we've gotten to know uh, a little bit about Chris, a little bit about uh, the Animus market, and uh, and a little bit about about herbicides today. So. We'll do more of this in the future. Chris, any any final words for those list, those people listening? Uh, everybody have a, a safe spring while you're getting out there, getting started, and, and uh, you know, roads are getting busy, and, and uh, at the end of the day, we all need to go home to our families. So take your time. Don't get overexcited. It is April 8th, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and have a good, successful season. Excellent. Chris, thanks for joining us. We'll see you all or hear from you all uh, next time, I guess, on the Arthur Company's podcast.